Welcome to the podcast. Coming to you from the Midwest Coast. I'm inside that miraculous establishment, the Midwest Healing Center, Lake of the Ozarks, Podcast Studio B. This is the New Old School Podcast. I am your host, Don Allen. Tell somebody about the podcast. It's all free. As you know, you can download any of these free apps to any mobile device, Podbean, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, iTunes Store, and Spotify. They're all free. Why, it's freer than a Chinese spy balloon. Seriously, we're going to allow this spy balloon from China to fly its entire course over the United States, and then we're going to shoot it down? Maybe too little too late? No, Biden's so old school, he probably thought it had a VCR on it, and it was recording into a VCR, so we'll wait to destroy it that way, all the info. I mean, they were worried about the debris would injure people. They had a chance to shoot it down over Alaska and Montana. Have you seen how desolate these places are? You couldn't find a right time when it was there? Give me a break. Get the free app so we can spy on you. We want to know if you're listening or not. Big Brother is watching. Get the apps. How is everybody doing today? We are in a series titled Not Guilty. Not Guilty. And what we're talking about is righteousness. Now, most born-again believers know nothing of this topic. I can only speculate as to why it is not covered in the church, but none of that matters today. You do need to know. And I could go on and on, but let's just jump in it. John 3, we're going to be back in Romans 8 soon as well. We began this series of podcasts a few weeks ago. If you need to go back and listen, uh, you do need to, to the first two in the podcast, if you missed them, Not Guilty, Parts 1 and 2. I know, very original. In John three fourteen, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. God sent not. He did not send his son to condemn the world. I don't care what preachers are preaching about it. God did not. He didn't send him to the earth to condemn, but rather to save. So say it with me today. Say not to condemn. So this word condemned means judged and found guilty. Now, justified means judged and found innocent or not guilty. So basically, this is the two verdicts, the two outcomes when a case is brought against guilty or not guilty, condemned or justified. Which one are you today? Are you guilty or are you innocent? So God did not send his son to find the world guilty, but that the world through him might be saved. The world was guilty. There's no doubt about that. But God did not send his son to tell us that. And those who believe on him, do you? Do you? This is a scripture, not to be ran by so lightly. Do you believe on him or not? Because if you do, not guilty. Say it with me today. Say, not guilty. Now, I know many of us through the years, we've watched so many legal television programs, right, or cops or whatever. And so... Uh, So we most never, having been arrested or in jail, know about Miranda rights, don't we? What is it? You have the right to remain silent, 
Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. What else? You have a right to an attorney. If you cannot afford one, one will be appointed to you, right? Do you and I have an attorney? No, we, we don't need one appointed. We have one. Listen, this is important. How many know in life, if you get charged with something, it's serious, right? Found guilty, they'll send you away. And for you to be found innocent is awesome, right? Free, no punishment. This is exactly what is happening right now and in the future. There is coming a judgment day. Have you heard that? Let's keep reading. Verse 18, he who believes in him is not condemned, not guilty. But what if you don't? But he who does not believe is condemned already, guilty, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Is anybody okay without Jesus? No way. Well, what about all these other religions? Can, can, can a billion people be wrong? Yes. Broad, broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many will enter into that. Billions are deceived and believing lies, and they're lost. You have to believe on him. If you don't, you're guilty. And not really because of the sins of life. I had a friend who wasn't living the way that I do, and he's still living in the world, if you will, and he, all the bad habits that come with that. And there came a point that he got to feeling a little bit bad about it. Got to feeling bad about some of those. And he had shared some things, and I said, you know what, there's nobody in hell for that. And he looked at me like, what? I said, no, nobody. Nobody is in, in hell for taking drugs. Nobody's in hell for drinking. Nobody's in hell for murder. Listen, all those sins have been laid on Jesus. He paid the price for it. You know why? Why they ended up there? Not believing on him. That's the sin. That's why they're going to be found guilty. But aren't you glad today that you believe in him? And if you do, you're already not guilty. Say it. Say, I'm not guilty. You can jump over to John 8. We know there was that woman that was taken in the act of adultery. How they grabbed her and they threw her down. They accused her. They challenged Jesus. You remember in verse 10 when Jesus had raised himself up and he saw nobody but the woman, and he said to her, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? Now, this is legal terminology. Where are the ones who brought charges against you? Has has no one found you guilty? And she said, no one, Lord. You think she was happy to say that? Nobody's found me guilty. And so Jesus said, listen, that's all good, but shame on you. You knew better. You knew better. You, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. You listen to me today. You need to eliminate that phrase from your vocabulary, shame on you. That's devil talk. Don't say that ever. Shame on you, shame on me. You don't want that on you. You don't want that on them. That's devil talk. Revelation 12 says that the devil is the accuser of the brethren who accuse them before their God day and night, always bringing charges against always trying to get you to accept condemnation and shame and fault. The believer has a right to be completely blameless and shameless. How do you think it is that God's ever going to be able to come back for a spotless bride, a worldwide day of repentance? And when when that last one finally gets it right and stops sinning at that very microsecond, that very moment we can finally be clean? No, listen, you already are. So many don't even believe this but it's what belongs to us. Say it. Say shameless, blameless, innocent, not guilty, righteous, justified. I am not guilty. Come on, is that you? Do you believe on him? Am I just making this up as I go along or is this Bible? 
not condemned. He didn't say, shame on you. He said, neither do I find you guilty. Go and sin no more. He didn't tell her what she did was all right. He didn't say, well, it's okay. It's okay. No big deal. No, it was a big deal. He said, don't do it again, but I'm not finding you guilty over it. There's too many folks that are trying to fix the blame on somebody. Jesus didn't fix the blame. He fixed the problem. He fixed the sin. Don't be involved in fixing the blame. Romans 8 and verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Are you? Are you in Christ Jesus? Then you should have how much condemnation? None. How much guilt? How much shame? For those who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Do we really believe that sin is stronger than the blood? No. But, but I mean, you know, but what about, what about murder? What about rape? What about abuse? What about harming children, though? Is that stronger than the blood? Not saying it's okay. But how great and how powerful is the blood of Jesus? Because it's the only thing that was valuable enough to buy us, to redeem us, to purchase us. It was the requirement that a sacrifice had to be made, and we couldn't do it. We could not keep the law. Nothing else could. Nothing could do it. The blood. Say it with me today, right? I told you we're going to, be, we're going to become a people of confession, right? Because Jesus is the high priest of our confession, and he can work with that to see it come to pass. So say this with me today. Say, the blood is much greater than my sin. It's much greater than anybody's sin. Let's keep reading. Romans 8 and verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. There was a law. There was a law of sin and death. That was the law. It was the law. And that's where the guilt comes from because the wages of sin is death. Death is the punishment for being found guilty. But the law of the spirit of life, now is that a law? The law, right? This is a new law. It's a law that found the flaws of the old one and said, we got to fix this. We need a new law. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has given me the not guilty verdict. And therefore, even though I did it, I did the crime but I'm not going to do the time. Jesus did the time for me on that whipping post and that cross and that three days in the heart of the earth. No, Jesus paid for it. He volunteered his tribute, right? I'll do it, right? You were found guilty and, and, and certain was the punishment. And Jesus said, excuse me, your honor, I'll do it. No, I'm going to do it for him. They don't stand a chance without me. I'll do it. I'll do it. Now, let me ask you, if your sins, right, Let me ask you, if your sins and paid for them, if he paid for them, if Jesus paid for those, how much do you owe on that bill? You did the crime, but he did the time. You're off the hook. I'm not going to hell. How about you? Listen, I'm not going to live in in shame like I am because there is therefore now, right now, there is no condemnation. There is no shame. Verse two, we're in Romans eight. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, right? It could show us what sin was, but you couldn't do anything about it. Man couldn't do it. No power in the law could set you free. Only one thing could, 
Jesus. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. He did what? He found sin guilty. He condemned sin. It was condemning us, and he said, no, 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 you're condemned because he was punished for all sin, and he didn't deserve it. The Bible says that if the devil had really looked into this and had seen what was really going on, he would have never allowed them to kill Jesus ever. The devil thought he was winning. Well, he really missed it, didn't he? He thought he was killing the Son of God. You know, he just wanted him off the earth and thought, well, death, death will cause his daddy to have to take him back because his body will have to give up that spirit, man. And then I can get on to with what it is that I had planned. And if you keep sending him back, I'll just keep killing him. Well, that didn't go as planned, did it? Because the Bible says there's now many Christs, meaning what? Well, he's now in us. Oh, listen, now the devil's like, how am I going to kill these billions of people? He's everywhere. When that punishment and that judgment came, all the devil and death and sin was condemned because he was innocent. And if he was judged guilty, even though innocent, now how can he be innocent even though guilty? How innocent are we? As much as Jesus, because it was his innocence. His righteousness is ours. We received that, like that robe on a prodigal son. It wasn't his robe. He was filthy. All the effects of sin were all over him, and his daddy said, get a robe. Get a robe on this boy right now. He was lost, but he's been found. Verse 4, Romans 8. That the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. You go to Romans 8, 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Now remember, we're looking, this, we're looking at this like uh, legal terminology. What does it mean if God is for us? Verse 32, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Who's gonna bring a charge against us? Who is it? It's God that justifies It's God, the judge, who declares us innocent and not guilty. So it's not him bringing charges against us. So who's going to do it? Verse 34, who is he who condemns? Who is it that finds us guilty? Well, it's not the Christ. Because he's the one, the Christ who died, and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, and he's our defense team, who makes intercession for us. Makes intercession for us. That's not on his knees praying. No, he's representing us in the high courts of heaven. One John tell us he tells us he's our advocate with the Father, Jesus the Christ. You have the one who's never lost a case. You can be sure that you've been found and will continue to be found innocent when the charges come because he's never lost a single case ever. Who condemns? Verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Come on, he's talking about the opposing side bringing charges against Verse 33, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Not God. It's God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? Well, it's not Jesus. It's the Christ who died. If he wanted you condemned, all he would have had to do was nothing. Not come, not die, not stand in the gap, not take those beatings, not hang on the cross, do nothing. But furthermore, he is risen. Who is even at the right hand of God who makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril? Now listen, you got to read this the right way. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? 
We usually think that when tribulation comes, when distress comes, when persecution comes, when famine comes, when nakedness, peril, or sword, God, where are you? God, do you not love me? God, what is going on? Why is this happening to me? Read this correctly. What will separate us from the love of Christ? If tribulation comes in distress and persecution, famine and nakedness, peril, or sword, that doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. Yet in all these things, we've been made more more than conquerors through him who loved us because those things are a reality in everybody's life. These things will come. Don't you ever find yourself standing there saying, God, wait a minute, have you separated from me because of tribulation and distress? Maybe I deserve this. Maybe, Maybe I deserve this. Maybe I'm guilty because these things, nakedness, peril, and sword are coming into my life. Don't ever take the side of that prosecuting attorney who's trying to come against you, ever. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Does it mean that when tribulation and distress, persecution or famine, nakedness or peril or sword, yet in all these things we've been made more than conquerors through him who loved us? For I am persuaded. Are you persuaded? You need to be. You need to be persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Nothing, say it today, say nothing shall separate me from the love of Christ. Say it, say, I'm not guilty. You go to Psalm 37. I believe these passages are very prophetic. Maybe you've never seen it that way, but these are the passages that describe in great detail Jesus's crucifixion and resurrection. Psalm 37 and verse 28, for the Lord loves justice and does not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever, but the descendants of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell in it forever. The mouth of the righteous speaks wisdom and his tongue talks of justice. The law of his God is not in his heart. None of his steps shall slide. The law of God is in his heart. Did I say not in his heart? Sorry. The law of God is in his heart. None of his steps shall slide. The wicked watches the righteous and seeks to slay him. We know we have an enemy, the devil, and he's watching the righteous. And he wants to get, he, he wants to get a case against and a judgment against. He's always looking for it, but verse 33, the Lord will not leave him in his hand nor condemn him when he is judged. Come on, say this, say God is on my side. See, he's not against you, he's for you. Psalm 56 and verse nine, when I cry out to you, then my enemy will turn back. This I know because God is for me. Now you think about this again in a courtroom setting. Who's on your side? The judge. The judge, he's for you. How could you lose? What prosecuting attorney would ever want to go against God? He's saying because of this, then what difference does it make? It's rigged for you. It's always going to cause you to triumph or win. Come on, we need to see this, people. Psalms 118 and verse 4. Let those who fear the Lord now say his mercy endures forever. Well, wait a minute, mercy? No, mercy's not for when you've done it all right. Mercy. I called on the Lord in my distress. The Lord answered me and he set me in a broad place, a big, free, open place. The Lord is on my side. Say it again, say the Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Now, here's the thing. I hope you grab what I'm saying again. Again, whose side is God on? He's on your side. Now grab this. Whose side should you be on? You should be on your side too, right? 
we're the ones that most of the time when it all comes down, we usually find ourselves standing against ourselves, accusing ourselves, right? If God is on your side, you need to be on your side too. Self-condemnation. There are really so many who are not on their own side. They don't like themselves. They don't believe in themselves. They speak against themselves. They testify against themselves. I'm nothing. I can't quit sinning. I'm I'm a failure, right? I come short all the time. I don't deserve anything, and and I can't have it. And listen, what you're doing is you're taking the stand, but you're testifying against yourselves. The reason is, is because how we feel and the issues that have taken place and the old words that were spoke against us, somebody else's testimony against us. Don't say it. Don't repeat it. Whose side you on? Whatever side God is on, and he's on your side. He's for you. He's not against you. But are you for you or are you against you? You need to check. I know this because I've gone through an ugly divorce in my past. And I can tell you the one thing that'll be a death blow to a ministry is divorce. You can fall back into drugs as a minister. You can get into alcohol as a minister. You can get in a fight, maybe go to jail. You can maybe fall into a financial issue. Shoot, you can even cheat on a spouse as a minister as long as you don't get a divorce. Whatever, but don't you ever get a divorce because that's where it's over. No forgiveness for that. That's what I found. How can you stand in the pulpit after that? We have people, ministers, old board members and staff and friends and family and many in the community that I spent hours with in hospitals. Phone calls, 3 a.m. at homes, casting out devils out of their kids. They bailed. And I'm going to tell you, their testimony against me wasn't great. And the story, of course, continued to grow. You know, it went from, well, he left her, to then it was, well, he's divorcing her. Then it went to, oh, it's because he cheated on her. And then by the time we were done, I'd slept with 30 women in the past year in the basement of the church, running kind of a a little brothel out of the basement of the church, and uh, sexual assault, and I think I even killed a puppy and ran over a kitten. I mean, it really really escalated to some pretty far out. I love it because the devil always overplays his hand, right? I mean, some of it at the beginning— People could have taken serious and been like, ooh, man, I don't know. But by the time it was done, it was so far out ridiculous, you know, that I was basically worshiping Satan and killing kittens on an altar at the church. You know, I mean, the devil always overplays his hand. But in the middle of all that, lies and false witness, and it all came back, Donnie's guilty. And being years past this and daring to find somebody I love now and even posting a pic of this person on Facebook with me because I'm getting on with my life, I had to erase comments from fellow ministers who were coming against me because of a picture that I posted with the woman that I love because I'm guilty. And in their eyes, I'll always be guilty. I remember one one couple came to me and said, well, we don't mind you getting a, a divorce, but you can never get married again. What? I'm guilty in their eyes, not allowed to move on. I've committed the, I, I have committed the modern day church's unforgivable sin. And I'm telling you, there was a time that I was ready to walk away from all of this over that in the past two years, many times, to walk away from it all and agree with them and say, yeah, you know what? Fine, fine. I'm not worthy to be in God's pulpit then. I'm not worthy to represent God. I'm guilty. And they might be right. And well, I would be because the fact is I did get a divorce for many reasons, which don't matter here, and certainly didn't matter and don't matter to them. 
They picked up the stones and they tossed them. And you know what? It hurt. It hurt badly. Still today, just this week, again, I had to decide whose report was I going to believe about me? Was I going to listen to the accusers and agree with them? Or was I going to be on the side of Jesus who was standing in front of me asking me, where are they? No, I don't accuse you either. And yes, to go on record, no, I do not believe for a second that God is for divorce and God loves divorce and God encourages divorce and, or any of the things that people assume that I believe about it. I don't recommend it. It's painful. It's horrible. I don't recommend it to anybody. But none of it is any of your business, and I'm not going to talk about the reasons why. But that being said, what do you do? Do you fold up shop? Do you agree and testify against yourself? I mean, put anything else in there. Divorce, uh, it could be anything else in there. You just pick a name, right? What are you going to do? Are you going to fold up shop? Are you going to agree with them? Are you going to testify against yourselves? Are you going to stand in the courtroom and take the side? With here's Holy Spirit on one side trying to defend you and the accuser on the other side, and I guess I'm supposed to just get up from the table and fire Holy Spirit and take side with my accusers. He says not guilty. Now, what am I supposed to say? You've got to eventually believe the report yourself. Matthew 12 and verse 37, for by your words, you will be justified and by your words, you will be condemned. It doesn't matter what they're saying. What are you saying? Whose words? My accusers, even though there be many, the community, the other pastors in town that turn their back on me, the preachers, family, ex-friends, my words. How does it say they overcome the accuser of the brethren in Revelation, the blood of the lamb, and the word of their testimony? What are you saying about you? Come on, are you for you or are you against you? So let me help you out today. You're taking the stand today and, and first off, smile. Okay, right, okay. Okay, now while you're smiling, I need you to answer the question, how do you plea? Not guilty. Say it again. How do you plea? Whose side are you on? Say it. Come on, listen, you need to listen. You need to say, I am a winner. I am victorious. I am, I am triumphant. I'm free. I'm redeemed. Now, how do you plea? I plea healed and prosperous. I plea blessed. No, wait, maybe you're not getting this. Your Bible says in Proverbs 6 and verse 2, you are snared by the words of your mouth. You are taken by the words of your own mouth. Now, snared means trapped caught by, caught up, taken captive by your own words. So if I'm going to get caught in something, guess what? Then it's going to be a blessing. Why speak against yourselves? Because you'll have what you say, so stop speaking against. And others as well, don't be against them. If God is for them, well, then you ought to be for them too. What's it say? When I cry out to you, Psalm 56 and verse 9, when I cry out to you, then my enemies will turn back. This I know because God is for me. What can man do to me? If God is for me, well, is God for you today? I mean, that's pretty confident. When the accusations come, and yes, of course, from others, but what about in your own thoughts? Those accusations come, and they begin to say this and that, and you have to tell them, do you know who my defense attorney is? Romans eight thirty one. what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Isaiah 50, here's something real quick too. Stop making jokes at your own expense. Don't call yourself slow or dumb or weak or ignorant. Fools, don't do it. Change sides today. I mean, we can be honest and admit. You might have been your own worst enemy in times past, yes? 
times that I didn't need anybody else to bring a charge against me, I'll do it myself. Testifying against myself. And the devil's like, he's like, uh, see, they said it. They said it. Don't do that. By your words. Matthew 12 and verse 37, for by your words you will be justified. What's that? Not guilty, but by your words you will be condemned, found guilty. Your words. Don't condemn yourselves because you can. Don't do it. Isaiah 50 and verse 7, because the sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. How many think we could use some mind renewal here? So because the Lord helps me, he is for me. Therefore, have I set my face like flint, and I know I will not be put to shame. Why? Because who's for me? Verse 8, he who vindicates me is near. Who then will bring charges against me? Let us face each other. Who is my accuser? Bring it on. Come on, stand face to face with me. Let him confront me, Isaiah 50 and verse 8. Verse 9, it is the sovereign Lord who helps me. Who will condemn me? They will all wear out like a garment. The moths will eat them up. Here today, gone tomorrow. What's it matter? Their charges and what they think, who cares? Let me tell you something. Now, I share these stories about my life because I'm not boohooing about it because I'm not into it. But I have to share this with you so that you understand I do know what I'm talking about. I totally know what I'm talking about here. Let me tell you, when you get on television, you get online, you get in online videos. We just recorded our 475th television show. That gives people all over the world the opportunity to talk about you. I broadcast in over 80 countries uh, to millions of people on television. And you'd like to think that everybody likes you. Now, Dion can testify to this as she has, she does the phone calls here at the ministry, and she's heard some of the phone calls that have come into the television program, and not everybody does like me. I've had death threats. I've been cussed and cursed and called every name in the book. I've even heard some that were made up that I've never heard. I've been accused and lied and assumptions made and called all kinds of things from ugly to stupid to a false preacher who's going to burn in hell, and that's just weekly the opportunity. But they say stuff, and you can tell that they're trying to hurt you. And I can add those again uh, against those who recently attacked us over the past couple years. And so you can take some of this more serious than you ought to. And, And so the Lord said to me, who are they? What? Who are they? You sure are taking what they say pretty seriously. Well, yeah. Who are they? What are they doing for the kingdom of God? Why join them? They don't have a clue what's going on in your life. Who are they? We get all upset over someone that knows nothing. Say that with me today. Say, who are they? See, I don't know who they are, but I know who he is. And I hear what they're saying, but I know what he says. The complete Jewish Bible says it this way, for Adonai Elohim will help. This is why no insult can wound me. Who are they? This is why I have set my face like flint, knowing I will not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near. Who then will bring charges against me? Let us face each other. Who is my accuser? Let him confront me. What's he saying? He's saying, let's go to court. Come on, who has a case against me? Step forward, big mouth. Matter of fact, this is is kind of funny. Two of the people that really did come against this ministry really hard over the past couple years, with some major, some very serious accusations. 
I had to do the same thing to them. I mean, in, in real life, I had to send them legal letters that said, all right, if that's, if that's your accusation, then let's roll. Let's roll. We're going to court because these are very serious accusations. I mean, there's some accusations coming in that are very serious. And so let's roll. Let's go. Let's go to court and face one another. All of a sudden they disappeared. Uh-oh, I mean, all the stink, blab in your mouth saying God told you. You had God said, God said, God said, this is a word from the Lord. This is a word from the Lord. Well, let's go to court then because these were very serious accusations and all of a sudden they just disappeared. Step forward, big mouth. You're about to find something out because you've been beat. When my attorney gets through with you, you'll wish you had never messed with me, right? Now, I'm speaking in the natural, definitely. I had an attorney that, good Lord. But let me tell you something. I'm talking about Jesus. When, when we get done, you'll wish you had never messed with me. You'll wish you had picked somebody else who was dumb enough to testify against themselves, but that ain't me. I'm testifying for myself, not against, and guess what? Not guilty. I'm innocent. I deserve no punishment. And if you don't like it, take it up with my lawyer. Proverbs 17 and verse 15, he who justifies the wicked and he who condemns the just, both of them alike are an abomination to the Lord. Now, if the Lord has justified us by what Jesus has done, who's going to call guilty what he said justified? And those who do are an abomination to him. That's strong language there. That someone is calling the ones he justified guilty, condemned. If he says you're innocent, you are. Who's more important than him? We care too much about what somebody else says. Do not talk about each other. Peter got the same revelation on that housetop in that vision when God said, don't you ever call common what I've called clean. Don't you call guilty what I've justified. You're saying God is wrong. Would you dare get in God's face and say, you're wrong about them. Don't you know what they've done? God, you're wrong. Is he? Do we think he doesn't know everything? He's on my side. I'll tell you for your homework this week, you need to go read Romans 5 about sin and grace and go on over into, into uh, Romans 6 as well because we don't excuse sin. We don't keep sinning, but there is grace when you do. You need to read that this week. Go to Isaiah, complete Jewish Bible. For far too long, there's been condemnation, condemning, preached, nurtured in the church. We've allowed this to go on for too long. Guilt is a huge part of, of most church-going people's lives and believes, and it's a major factor in many preachers' motivation weekly. I know because I came from that with my own family members who are ministers, four or five of them pastors, and boy, that's one thing that they lived by. Guilt, shame, condemnation was a tool to bend the congregation to their will. They'd get you to volunteer or give out of guilt to further their agenda. Shame on you if you don't. And it's the language of the devil, but it's happening today in churches all across the land. Every Sunday, listen to me, don't be a part of that. Don't do it. It's not guilty. And shame, no, but love. It's love. It's so sad to me that Christian people reverence guilt. I've watched it for years from the pulpit. And it was sold as well, that's a good Christian. To be driven by guilt and shame, I mean, wow, they're really good givers. No, they're scared to death that if they don't, Man, they really, that church just really has great volunteers. No, they're scared to death if they don't. I came from a church like that. Gosh, this church does more. Yeah, because you're, being, you're getting the hell beat out of you every week. You better be here every time the doors are open, because if not, you're going to hell. 
And listen, I'm trying to navigate this because let me say this, it works. No, that method works. And we need help here at this ministry right here at the Midwest Healing Center. And I could guilt people into it because we do need help badly. And I watched it work for years. They got stuff done. So I'm trying to get people to just take ownership in this place, guilt-free. But it's sad to me, I'm going to tell you, guilt works quicker and better. It's, it, it works better. I've watched it. It works. The church has taught people to testify against themselves for years and place themselves on probation under the watchful eye of the accuser. I watched. It was so sad to me. I would watch little old ladies in our church, sweet little old ladies, 100% dedicated to the church, right? But I'm talking about just an instance I remember, and this happened more than once, single women, widowers in our church, little old ladies, and the weather around here can get tricky. And our pastor would not cancel church for nothing. It didn't matter if there was a winter storm warning and, 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 and MoDOT said, don't you dare be on the roads today. By God, we're having church. And I mean that because he lived behind the church and could walk up the hill to the church and he'd say things like, well, I'm going to be here and the doors are going to be open and you need to be here. And I would watch these little old ladies who, of course, wouldn't get out. They wouldn't drive on those roads. They wouldn't dare take their little Ford Taurus and get on the road and try to get to church. But I would watch them the next week when the roads were clear and they'd come in and they'd be like, I'm so sorry I wasn't here last week. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry I wasn't able to give and I just felt so bad. Why did you feel bad? What are we nurturing in the church? It was just disgusting to watch. Their hearts were literally broken because they felt so terrible because they missed. Church has taught people to testify against themselves for years. So what these people would do is they would give a little more to try to make up for missing. So we're placing you on probation under the watchful eye of the accuser. Well, we're going to see if you're going to make up for what you did. So many things have gone wrong in people's lives because of this. Don't be so quick to accept blame and guilt. That's not a good quality. Now, if wrong, then you're wrong, and you can be, you can be quick to repent. That's one thing. The Apostle Paul, when he was Saul, he was guilty. He was killing Christians, hunting them down, having them murdered for his religion. Suddenly, he gets knocked off his donkey, and here he is. He's changed, and he's walking into a place with one of the guys, and some of them in that place said, wait a minute, what's he doing here? Don't you know who that is? Don't you know what he's done? Well, he had already, he had already, re, he'd already rejected and repented of all the wrong that he did. He didn't deny that. But for him to have to continue to pay for it while they accuse him of it? No, not guilty. Isaiah 54 and verse 14, the righteousness. In righteousness, you will be established, far from oppression, with nothing to fear, far from ruin, for it will not come near you. Why? because you're established in right standing, righteousness. Verse 15, any alliance that forms against you will not be my doing. Whoever tries to form such an alliance will fall because of you. I tried to just once, just one time, as many others have done before me with this person who came against us. Myself and and many others tried to warn this person. This will not work out for them. There were two of them who really were at the heart of it. And they were warned, and well, it's unfortunately, it's playing out before us. They will fall. And they are right now actively falling. They are. And I tried to one time reach out because I I don't want to see this happen to anybody. Because honestly, in the end, it's a black eye on Christianity as a whole. And I, I can't stand that kind of stuff in Christianity. I was concerned more so for their congregation of the people who are going to suffer with these leaders. 
And this person decided to, to uh, decided the answer was to make a Facebook post reminding you, uh, reminding you, I re- now I reached out in private, but they made a post stating that for one, that they, um, that they, they lied about what I had said to them. But the other thing was to double down on coming against me and continue to smear me and even said, I'll sleep well tonight knowing I'm doing the right thing. No way you are. <laughs> There's no way you are. And it's upon them right now. What am I saying? This is dangerous business, people. I'm trying to warn you. God means what he says about this. Do you believe that? You better not be talking against anybody. God takes this very serious. Now, we like to only quote this, touch not thine anointed. Now, we use that only in context of somebody coming against the preachers, but I'll say all of us, don't touch each other because you are God's anointed. He said they will fall. Don't risk it. No weapon made will prevail against you. It can't. In court, you will refute every accusation. The servants of Adonai inherit all this. The reward for their righteousness is from me, says Adonai. So how do you plead today? You can't lose here. One more thing, Matthew 12. Again, let me say this. Let me say this one first, 1 Timothy 5, 19. Do not receive an accusation against an elder except from two or three witnesses. So we're seeing a principle here, right, that we are not to be quick to receive accusations, correct? Somebody accuses someone to us, our first response should be never, oh, I know, I know. Yeah, I thought, I kind of felt that too. Man, do I have stories. But listen, listen, you are not to be quick to believe the worst, You are to be quick to believe the best. Even if they did miss it, are you for them or are you against them? You want them to go down and their calling and their gifts and their talents and their supply to the body? I mean, I stubbed my toe, but I guess just cut it off because I keep keep stubbing it? Just cut that thing off. That's what's taking place in the body of Christ daily. We are not the judge who is gonna bring charges against them. Not God, not Jesus, so why are you? Who are you? And who are they to do such a thing? This is serious in the body of Christ. And I have to wonder what the world thinks looking in watching all this, infighting and backbiting and accusations in the body. They don't want anything to do with it. They don't want anything to do with God because they don't want anything to do because they're looking at us and it seems like we don't want anything to do with each other and we definitely don't want anything to do with them. It's so disturbing. Even if like the woman caught, I don't accuse you. Free from blame, free from shame. Don't be quick. Matthew 12 and verse 7. But if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. He's talking about himself. How wrong was it of them to accuse him of guilt? Well, whose righteousness do we have now? It's his. Well, then why wouldn't it be just as wrong to accuse us? Because by faith in him, we are now guiltless. Can you see this? Verse 37, for by your words, you will be justified and acquitted. And by your words, you will be condemned and you will be sentenced. What are you saying today? Oh boy, my mama was right. Watch your mouth. Maybe we need a Will Smith to follow us around and slap us whenever we start talking bad against ourselves and others. Keep yourself out of your mouth. Holy Spirit, Will Smith. No, seriously, take this to heart today. You are not guilty. Start living that way. Start praying that way, worshiping that way. See how it changes every single thing 
in your life. I think you'll be amazed. Well, that's all the time I have for today. Thank you for joining me on the New Old School Podcast. I am your host, Don Allen. Until next time, guess what? I'm free. I'm not guilty. And because of that, I'm going to continue to attempt the ridiculous and achieve the miraculous. How about you? Thank you.